Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And welcome. Good morning. It is off and running. We are rounding the first curve right here on the Helitech Home Improvement KMOX show. And we have two hours for you today. Stay tuned. Lots of things to talk about. The weather has turned a little bit chilly once again. We have passed the uh, winter solstice, the equinox, December 21st, the shortest daylight day of the year. So let's just, um, let's mark the days down to the long day on how long it is before the longest daylight day in the year. Maybe you can feel that a little bit more nighttime, darkness, uh, the day ends and starts a little later, day ends a little sooner, starts a little later. Oh, yeah, so much, well, that's way too complex. You know what? Let's just talk about heating and cooling, comfort, humidity, thermostats, all those sorts of things, energy efficiency, as well as security. Yeah, security, making sure the deadbolts lock. Um, maybe your threshold is not adjusted. And I, you know, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. We have two hours today and 10 phone lines for you. All 10. Let's see my fingers and my thumbs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine uh, uh, what? Uh, 10. <laughs> I got it. No problem. <laughs> 314-436-7900-436-7900 and anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I'm in my, wow, I'm finishing up my 21st year. Uh, come around, uh, well, I guess that actually happened about September. Uh, I'll tell you the story, how I got on the air some years ago. And uh, that's kind of interesting because when you're talking about being around as long as I have, uh, it, you know, that's a radio comment. Yeah, come on. I know you're my friends, but you're still jabbing me every opportunity on passing days, acquiring age. I look at it as I'm still here. Yep. What can I say? Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. One of the most fun things I do in my life is I really don't take myself that seriously. You know, I just don't. It's, uh, I don't spend much time worrying about um, me. Uh, I would rather help you. As it relates to me, though, I tend to keep uh, learning. I, I like to learn. Uh, frankly, I can't really help myself. That's just the way it was. One of the things that I was taught by my mother and father, uh, my mom was Peggy Mosby. My father was Sam Mosby. He founded a company, remodeling company here in St. Louis. He was actually a custom builder back in the day, if you will. So I can tell you a little bit about that story, but maybe that's for another week. Uh, anyway, we have phone lines open, and I'm just very pleased to be here and some phone calls lots of things with the turning cold weather the dip to the freeze um so much to talk about 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 as i mentioned i'm scott Uh, the mosby building arts construction company uh, was founded in 1947 by my dad 
Uh, I'm still around today, so we are in our 72nd year of a company. We've been called various, Samuel J. Mosby, Builder, General Contractor, uh, on to several other things, and then Mosby Construction Services. Now we are Mosby Building Arts. If uh, a little bit of history on that, sitting around a dining room table in my wife Judy's and my house, uh, one of our carpenters named the company. We had, you know, you might think uh, there were total of about eight of us maybe, seven or eight all totaled. And he said, well, you know, we went to building arts class when we were in high school. Why don't we, you know, why don't we call ourselves building arts? That has a nice ring. And, you know, Mosby's who we are and building arts is kind of what we do. Uh, fast forward another 10, 15 years past that, and uh, a, a good friend, I said, what do you think of the name Mosby Building Arts? People think we paint murals on the wall. And he says, no, nah, it tells me Mosby, the who, what, and what, and why. You know, the Mosby building is what you do. Arts is the way in which you uh, uh, do it. So it, it brings a little bit more of a fine finished flair. That really is kind of who we are and why we still exist. So uh, any questions, you can call the office, 314-909-1800. It's a phone number my wife picked way back, 909-1800. Anywhere on the globe, you can get in, cell phones all. Or if you're interested in the website, it's call Mosby, like telephone, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y. No E in that Mosby. Or right here on CAMOX. I say we fire up, get going, and see what's happening with my friend Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. Welcome to CAMOX. How can I help? Hey, good morning, Scott. I really like your show. It's very informative. Thank you. Hey, I got a question about some HVAC ducting. I've got some sheet metal ducting in my house I recently moved into. Uh, the auxiliary runs coming off the main line into the individual rooms. Mm-hmm. Some of them have mastic around the joints, and some of them don't. So I was wondering if it would be worth uh, go ahead and put mastic on the rest of those joints. I've noticed the ones that come, in, that come into the rooms that don't have the mastic kind of make some noise when the uh, furnace comes on as far as making some noise when it kicks on. Yes. Do you think it'd be worth doing that? Oh, yeah. Sealing the joints on a metal-to-metal joint. I mean, basically, on the average, sheet metal ducting leaks about 30%. And it's one of the things that the federal government studied 20, 30 years ago when, you know, gasoline doubled and tripled and all that. And they started getting into the energy conservation business. And they started figuring out, you know, where do we lose our energy? And that was one of the big ones was just simply sealing the joints. Uh, And it it doesn't take much uh, rocket science knowledge. It's not like it's magic. Uh, but that may not be where the noise to your ductwork is. If you can figure that out, Bob, where you just uh, listen to what point is there, the ductwork can flex because uh, n- the newer furnaces blow harder, faster, and stronger trying to make more air changes per hour, another byproduct of the energy revolution, if you will, or evolution. So um, as, as long as you're just uh, kind of wedging something, for example, uh, I guess I, uh, I've been in homes where people said, I just took a little round uh, disc, a ping pong ball on one guy's house, and he just stuck it between the floor joists and the ductwork, and it kept that section of metal ductwork from flexing up when the furnace kicked on, pressurized, and went boom. So two, two different, different things. things. Okay, so it's uh, so definitely worth doing the mastic around the joints. Always, always. always. Okay. Even on the return if you can get to it. Okay, yeah, I just don't know why some of them were done and some weren't. I don't know. So I just thought um, call you and see if it'd be worth it. 
Yeah, it's uh, you can do it with a metal um, duct tape, if you will, the aluminum foil duct tape. But uh, the problem is, is the better long lasting is the mastic. Uh, it's messy. Um, it's not a lot of fun. And make sure you clean the ductwork because on the top side of that ductwork, there's a ton of dust. And it don't don't just put mastic on the dust. Put mastic on the ductwork. So, like everything else, painting, coatings, whatever it is, clean your substrate before you put the product on. Okay, but you're saying it may not take care of the noise. Maybe something else for that. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Okay. okay. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And actually, you know, to Bob's question, um, will sealing the joints take care of the noise? Not really. It may actually make it worse to where you might have one bumping part of the ductwork, and when you're finished sealing the ductwork, you're going to wind up with two or three. And when we come back, I'll tell you why. It's a little bit of a common sense logic thing, which is where most of my answers come from. People say, where do you know all that stuff? Honestly, it's about five or six laws of physics that manifest itself in three or four different ways. So there's only about, eh, I don't know, various com- combinations of those. So uh, here on KMOX, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby promising to give you my very best at your service here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. As promised, I did return. I've been doing my studies and researching that promise from the end of the just last break there. Yep, indeed. Uh, we were speaking to Bob, first caller of the morning. Uh, questions, should I seal my ductwork joints? The answer is yes. Typically, anything that is a closed, confined system or intended to be like ductwork is important because if you're blowing money into it, which is energy or heated, controlled, conditioned air, you know, once you spend for whatever material it is, uh, solar, electric, gasoline, kerosene, heating oil, propane, electrical, natural, whatever, you're spending money for that energy, turning it into heat through that furnace this time of year. And then on generally on a forced air system, you're blowing it into a balloon, the ductwork, that sheet metal ductwork that's throughout your basement house and inside the walls even. If it leaks... You're, and if it leaks 30%, like the federal energy uh, area talks about, um, you're leaking 30% of those dollars. So for every dollar you put in energy-wise, the only thing that's getting to your rooms is 70 cents of that. So you're wasting 30 cents. And then when you get into the calculation of how efficient is my furnace, you hear that, you, you see it in the energy uh, ratings, uh, uh, SEER on the air conditioners, you know, how efficient, how much of that uh, efficiency gets translated into the delivery of AC or cold air. So that or the percentage of the furnace, 90% efficient, 92 or in the history, you know, years ago, 78%, some 50%. Some of the old early gas-fired things were boiler conversions or coal-fired furnace conversions back when I was a kid. You know, some of those puppies, you know, might be only a 45, 50% efficiency. So anyway, you put a dollar in, ductwork leaks 30 cents, but 
But if you're putting a dollar in and you only have a 70% efficient furnace, you have 70 cents that goes into the ductwork and then 30% of 70 leaks out, which is about 21%. Man, you're only getting 50% on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar. So that's kind of how the math all goes. So the answer to Bob, first caller of first hour, is you bet, seal that ductwork. Anything that you can deliver to the rooms, you know, bedroom, living room, kitchen, all that in heating and cooling form is that's the objective. You know, you're not trying to heat and cool your basement. You're trying to heat and cool the main living quarters of the home. So I said, yes, please seal that. Now, the caveat that I gave was sealing the joints may not make your ductwork quieter because he sounds like he's got duct popping. And duct popping typically comes when the furnace comes on uh, because it blows, pressurizes, or pretty much uh, gets a... Um, abrupt start to blowing that air. And so it's kind of like blowing up a balloon. When you start blowing up a balloon, that first breath you put into that balloon, you know, is a lot more than the third, fourth, or fifth because you've already stretched out that um, balloon um, met, uh, uh, acrylic fabric or, you know, the actual balloon itself. The duct works the same way. It all kind of sags and settles down. And then when you blow air into it, it kind of pops, and that's where the ductwork moves, and sometimes it can be noisy. And my golly, it's really noisy because it resonates through that portal of ductwork throughout the house, man, so you can get that noise everywhere. Uh, so anyway, if you have a better sealed system like Bob is with sealing the joints of his duct, he's going to use mastic, I think then you're going to have less leakage. And so when that furnace starts, begins, blows into that ductwork, you're probably going to have more popping. And what that manifests is, is not that I have one spot that pop, pops. You may wind up with one spot and then eight seconds later, another one. Uh, and, but generally it happens when it starts as well as when it stops too. Because when you stop blowing air into that balloon or into that ductwork, it, it'll go back to a re relaxed state and it pops. And that's, that's why the sheet metal guys, you'll see on your ductwork that you'll see creases in the middle of big flat pieces of metal. And that's a way to reinforce it with a bend or right angle reinforcement. So anyway, enough of that. So I'm scotting that up. The point is, is when you seal the ducts of your uh, ductwork on your furnace heating and cooling system. That's a very good thing, but you may actually exacerbate or magnify, increase, or otherwise make it noisier than it was before. All right, enough of that. So I promised to get off my stump. Let's see what's cooking with my friend Rich. Hey, Rich, good morning. Welcome. Scott Mosby here. How can I help you? Hey, Scott. Uh, I'm good. I live in a mobile home, and I, I put in a uh, new kitchen faucet, uh -huh. Ran fine, and then it started acting up. It would be, it would run for about two seconds. Then I'd hear a little, it would come uh, a thunk, and it uh -huh. would stop. And then I have to I'd shut it off. To wait a minute, sometimes just a few seconds, sometimes a few minutes. I'd hear another soft thunk, and then then it would work again. But now it's got nothing. Nothing. Just, I mean, wide open with both taps, just a, a bare trickle. Oh, wow. It, would it be the faucet or something uh, deeper into the plumbing? Uh, could be any and all. Uh, the thunk, uh, here, here's where it is. You're in, uh, I think you're in the neighborhood of uh, uh, Pipe Hammer. 
Uh, typically, one of the next ones that can happen is you can it can start sounding like a clarinet, saxophone, or some sort of right. a horn. Uh, but I think you've got a um, stop, a, a shutoff, some sort of a shutoff somewhere, and it may be uh, it may be where the water connects up to the to the house itself. And that stem valve O-ring washer is flopping from point A to point B. And as it goes to point B, it's blocking the flow of the water. Ah, and now with a new I've faucet, also... yeah, with a new faucet, you may be getting a lot more water volume, too, with the new whiz-bang yeah. faucet. So it, it, it could be anywhere from upline to that faucet, and it could actually be in the faucet. It could be just debris that's now in the end of the faucet, but usually it's related upline of the valve stem itself. Basically, the yeah. first thing, start with the, the faucet, clean the goodies out, start with the aerator, not because it's the cause of this, but if you've got debris... You know where the aerator is on the end of the faucet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, start there. Because if you've got also, debris, then it's probably debris-related in the line, and, pro- and cleaning is the deal. I've also, got, I've also got the same problem in my little bathroom faucets as well. Really? Nothing with the tubs. Okay. But, uh, like I said, I, I, I put a new faucet in our main bathroom, and it's kind of a bare, bare, bare trickle. Wow, wow. Well, you may. I would start with the aerators on all of them because that'll tell you whether you have a lot of free debris, dirt, gook, granules, all that flying around. Uh, but if it's happening all right. on all of them, then go up to the common shutoff that supplies them all. So it's a process of yeah. elimination. Uh, it'll go for wherever. But uh, are all your faucets now single-handled faucets here, Rich? Uh, no, double handle. Oh, good. That's, that's good because that suggests it's upline and not into the actual cartridge or O-ring or any of that. So, uh, I, I think you can dig this one out and run this one down. Okay. Cause, cause I know on the kitchen faucet, when I, when I've got, got the sprayer, it's like, it's, it's like bare terrible performance on now, it. now the kitchen sprayer is a separate issue because it's got a diverter valve that right. may also be the culprit here too because it's it, that the replacement part for that diverter valve is about two dollars and ten cents so it's not exactly yeah. nasa quality material and oh, yeah. that may be the culprit itself to where it may be flopping and trying to divert the water away from the faucet to the sprayer. So I think yeah. I'd stick with your um, your kitchen faucet first, try that. But don't rule out that diverter, too, because that's got a movable flopper thing that each of those shutoffs will have as well. All righty. Man, you got your hands full, Rich. You're, don't rule yep. anything out. You know, if a passing hey, car uh, waves at you, that could be the cause of the sound. I don't know. <laughs> are you, you, you a Kirkwood High guy? Uh, no, Afton High School. John Goodman is my claim to fame. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. all right. No, I wasn't cool enough to go to Kirkwood. We were at Afton, and we did the real yeah. work. All righty. Take care. Love your show. Okay, Bye-bye. Rich. Take care. Bye now. Home improvement, yeah, there you go. You know, where did you go to high school? I'm that guy, you know, Afton, good town. Uh, and, and frankly, my golf buddies are Afton high school, middle school, grade school buddies. Some of these guys I've been, you know, I, I've known all but the first six years of my life. So uh, it's kind of neat going home. You can all, you can always go home. Uh, generally, when you get places like St. Louis, um, I live probably two miles from where I grew up. I didn't get very far in life.
you know, that's just it. But when you got it good, you got it good. Let's see what's happening with Henry here. Hey, Henry Scott, how can I help you, friend? Oh, hey, uh, Afton Class of 65. Right on, brother. Hey, remember the, they used to call it the Sugar Bowl, the little ice cream store by the old Gaunt School? Oh, yeah, I, that's where I grew my addiction to Snickers candy bars. Oh, that was Mom and Dad's place. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I ate enough Snickers probably to raise you. <laughs> yeah, probably did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a problem with a toilet. Huh? Okay, house built in 70. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, a guy who met at the home show where I'd seen you down there mm-hmm. uh, 12 years ago through the tub overlay, new fixtures and stuff. Okay. Okay. Now the flange, it's cast iron, is is broken one side. We, we're having a heck of a time trying to keep things staying sealed. Biggest problem is, is when the guy did it, he cut a big square out. I didn't know it at the time. And the flange just sticks up through the floor, so the flange is unsupported. What are we talking about uh, cost-wise or what has to be done? I know that whole, maybe that elbow up has to be replaced. Is there a thing they can cut that and just stick a, a new whole new thing in there without, <coughs> excuse me, without going back to the stack? Is it uh, cast iron or yeah, it's plastic? Cast, it's cast iron, yeah. Oh, uh, you're into a plumber. That's a plumber for sure here, Henry. And um, price-wise, you're just talking a minimum service call. You know, just to get a plumber there, you're usually $200. I know yeah. that sounds objectionable, but yeah. basically you're into, you're on a broken cast iron flange, could be 400 to 600 650 It won't take them very long, but they've oh, got to that, pull the toilet, do the plumbing. more like a 800 to 1000 uh, it could be, but it depends. I mean, frankly, some of these plumbers are... It's one of those things. Place is getting old, you know. <laughs> you know, just like the rest of us. Uh, well, 1970, I consider that a pretty new house, yeah. which is why I had to ask. Yeah, but yeah. they weren't built real well. It's, it, it was a quick build for the Chrysler plant people, so it was Got it. not the best. But, yeah, good old Cougars. Go Cougars. <laughs> okay, Henry, thanks for the call. All righty. All right. Bye. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Yeah, now, there was a Mosby family, several, frankly, that came through the Kirkwood High School District, some of which I met uh, in the, you know, as our children were growing up in the Kirkwood District. So uh, I met, the the good news is, I have never met a Mosby that wasn't nice. You know, if you're going to share a name and you've got, you know, a bad guy mixed in there or two, it's like, whoa, oh, you're that, oh, not him. So it's a good thing. So I never met a Mosby I didn't like, and uh, it was kind of fun. So, And there's a bunch of us. So not maybe not as many as Smith or Jones, but eh, there's a few. I liked them all so far, uh, some of which I still keep up with and others I don't. Phone lines, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Uh, maybe you can uh, share this with me. Do you have any New Year's resolutions coming up? Or tell me about what resolutions you're thinking of. Uh, when we come back, you know, I'm going to do a few phone lines. When we get to the top of the hour, I'm going to tell you how my interview went to become part of the KMOX listening family some 21, 22 years ago. Right here, KMOX. Stay tuned. More coming. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. So much to talk about. So little time. We're only on Earth for a little while. 
Maybe a year, maybe six months, maybe 70 years, maybe a hundred years. Anyway, there's, we're all in the business of dying. If you're born and you live, you die. We're all busy dying. Now, now the, the trick, the secret, as many people who um, are uh, senior in years will say, it's what you do and how you spend it. You ever hear anybody say, I don't have time? They got the same amount of time as you do. Yeah. Scott Mosby, home improvement, back to the phone lines. Let's see what's cooking here. I promised I'm going to tell you how I wound up on CamWax. Some of you old listeners, uh, you know, that have been listening for decades. And uh, frankly, when I say decades, I think this show has been on the air, golly, uh, over a half century easily. And I'll tell you a little bit about meeting some of my predecessors to this show and the conversations I've been lucky enough to have just to get a sense of the history of the Home Improvement Show, how far it goes back, who was on as the host and why and why not. And it's, it's kind of cool when you're part of a, you know, 90-something year tradition of a, especially something like Cam Wax. It matters. You know, history counts. Uh, let's see what's cooking with my friend uh, Joe from Greenville. There we go. Hey, Joe, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Uh, yeah, we uh, recently purchased a house that we're remodeling and redoing. And when we took the paneling down and the drywall down in one room, they put unfaced insulation up and covered it with plastic. Mm-hmm. And where the plastic and the insulation touches, it's dark and it kind of looks like mold. Mm-hmm. and we're going to take it all out, but we want to know what we should spray in the cavities in case anything falls off or we miss anything to kill anything that may remain before we re-insulate. Well, number one, uh, Joe, do you have any real dark, other than where the plastic touched the fiberglass, do you have any real darkness on the uh, two-by-fours or the wall sheathing? You know, How dark is that, or is it fairly pretty light color? Actually, they they all look uh, normal. The wood all looks normal. It doesn't look like there's anything. Uh, Maybe a little bit just below the windows. Yeah. But uh, everything looks uh, pretty clean, and it only looks like the insulation is dark where it's touching the uh, the plastic. Yeah, well, that's right at the dew point. So uh, plastic is a no-no on vapor retarders, and that's uh, technically what those are. The problem is the polyethylene clear plastic and black plastic was really a vapor blocker, and it wasn't permeable enough, and that's why it's uh, not uh, used, well, it is used, but it's not advocated for being used anymore. Uh, so I think right there at that point is the only mold or moisture you had or discoloration. You're probably seeing what I call ghosting, which is really just the movement of air around those other places. So pull that out. I, I Personally, I wouldn't be too worried about mold or mildew because it would take black to show me that it was there. And frankly, everybody who has uh, plastic uh, vapor retarder next to uh, uh, craft-faced, or, or not craft-faced, but un, unfaced insulation. They've got some black there, too. Don't worry about it. If you can, spray something or paint something into those stud cavities to block the air leakage 
because down below at the bottom where the plates are, you probably saw air leakage. And even on the windowsills, you'll get a little bit of air leakage and water leakage in. So you have air coming in and, and water leaking in because it can. So I wouldn't get too worried about the mold and mildew. Uh, that's somewhat overblown. But do, if you want to stop all that from happening in the future, uh, air seal that stud cavity. I've heard things of of one gallon of paint to five gallon bucket of drywall mud, mix it up together in a poor man's thick paint. Uh, or you can use something like a block filler, concrete block paint to go in there. Anything that seals up around all the uh, tiny little leaks where the nails from the sheathing on the outside of the house. Uh, and, and please start with a caulking gun, anything around the wires, any plumbing pipes that come through change, you know, seal that cavity so that the air doesn't move through there because that's where the moisture comes from. Uh, and just, I, frankly, just uh, don't put the plastic on, frankly, anywhere for on okay. insulation. Now, you would go ahead and replace the insulation and put regular craft paper up then, correct? I would just because I can. You know, I mean, it's okay. frankly, you open this thing up, it's probably a 20 or 30 year shelf life before somebody else does this again. So it's not that there's anything wrong with the old insulation, but, you know, the it's the labor, whether even on a do, DIY, you know, time take time has money, you know. So I, I would change the insulation just because I can't. Okay, that was our plan, and then I read maybe spray it with uh, distilled white or white vinegar that that kills anything that might happen to be around. Yeah, it it won't hurt. Let's put it that way. Just make sure you give it time to dry out because you don't want to close up that wall cavity on a wet anything. If you want to do something kind of cool, uh, Joe, uh, frankly. I have been known and do, every now and again, I'll take borax because what goes in cellulose, which is uh, paper, fibers, insulation, they treat that with borate because that keeps the bugs from uh, eating or, or nesting in that uh, cellulose insulation. You want to take a little bit of borax right from the grocery store, just shake it on the studs, uh, the plates on the bottom of those stud cavities. Uh, it'll cost you about $4, and, you know, it, it helps keep the bugs from getting real happy inside those closed areas. But if you block the air uh, block movement, you'll stop most of that. But if you're looking for something extra to add, throw a little borax inside those wall cavities. Okay. So if our studs look clean, which we haven't pulled the insulation out, then you just say, just leave it as is, and then just uh, try to seal up our cracks and air gaps and go ahead and put our new craft paper in there. Yes. Insulation. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for your time. All right, Joe. Good luck, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. There we go again, and you hear that, frankly, in Joe's question, he was touching really the last 80 years of uh, construction history. It's like, well, more insulation is better, replace it. Uh, but the last 20, 30 years, uh, I had Josh Dunlap on here last week, it's the air infiltration that we as an industry underestimated because if you've got moving air inside the wall cavities, then the good part of it is it gets to dry out. So it'll take the moisture out. So thus you don't want any plastic. And then the other side of it is when you have something as impermeable as a plastic vapor barrier instead of a vapor retarder that lets some, slows down but lets the stuff move, 
you know, in, in this part of the country, our air is wet. We have high humidity in the summer. And the place to put a vapor retarder is on the warm side of the wall. Where is that? Now, this time of year, it's on the inside or on the inside of the studs before you put the drywall on. When it's 104 degrees in the summer, do you get inside your walls and move that vapor retarder and put it on the outside of the wall? I don't think so. So that's one of the inherent problems and thus that if you're going to play with power, but you don't know where to put that power inside or outside, just pull it out and let Mother Nature do her thing. Because by the way, if you hadn't noticed, she's kind of undefeated. Um, and as builders, we tried to get the walls so waterproof. We just, you know, we'll insulate that wall and we'll build the outside wall so airtight that water won't come in. Whoops, the air is loaded with water called water vapor, humidity. And if you don't know what I mean, you ever hear somebody talk about, boy, it's close today in the summer. Well, that's when the humidity is so thick that it just sits next to your skin and the skin doesn't have the ability to perspirate and then evaporate and cool our, you know, and that's where it's like, yeah, I'm steaming in our humidity of the St. Louis. So anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. So much to talk about here. I'm Gabby today, folks. A little bottled oxygen here on the extra here and uh, Bosco you know, in the back. He's doing the hard work. He's making the 50,000 watts. We have Amra in the back pocket as well, helping with the electricity. It's, it's hard pumping out 50,000 watts and reaching all those, you know, hinterland places where many of our Camwex Cardinal baseball listeners. And tonight, <laughs> keep in mind, this is Camwex. We've got an afternoon of fun. Uh, One o'clock, Rick Edelman's show comes up. Three o'clock, business, a family business. We go then on five o'clock, we've got Greg Damon on the Camwex Auto Show. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we gave Greg the hook and drawing back into the studio to share some stuff. And then we've got, uh, oh, the blues. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> and the blues right here. Camwex, home improvement now. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, I can't believe they let me out this morning. I escaped, yeah, from my um, eh, capitalization. What can I say? Anyway, I woke up today and off we go. Down at Camwex, one of my favorite things every week. Get to talk to all my friends. Let's talk to my friend Joe. Hey, Joe, Scott Mosby here. How can I help, friend? Hello, Scott. I uh, want to wish everybody in 2019 peace, health, and prosperity, everyone who listens to the 50,000-watt flamethrower of KMOX. Thank you. And uh, I was wondering, has your company or have you had any experience or done research on the advantage of uh, homes built into bill sides versus traditional hill, uh, homes built? Oh, my goodness, yes. Back in uh, the 70s, I got very deep into earth-sheltered underground homes and the isolation of, you know, basically living in a cave. Uh, generally, tornadoes don't really mess with caves much. So yeah. that was kind of the logic. And then uh, on to learn that the difference between isolation and insulation, isolation is, you know, you're just a way that the outside uh, temperature doesn't really affect what's inside. As a cave, constant temperature uh, yeah. and insulation as we use. So, yeah, I sure have, Joe. 
Oh, okay. I mean, uh, versus cost on, on either one, are they about the same, or would you have an advantage over a home built into the hillside? Uh, with sky, you know, skylights and stuff like that. Well, the issue that I'll tell you what, here, here I'm getting up on my stump a little bit. Okay. Um, first off, burying a house is very good isolation. So uh, it is um, less uh, subject to um, disasters from uh, tornadoes, storms, right. outside, all that. Um, insulation, the uh, soil also gets you down deeper to where you get a thermal constant. You get below the frost line where we know that in our building industry because of how deep the freeze deep goes on how deep we have to build our foundations and all that stuff. The the two things that why earth-sheltered and underground homes did not take off around here um, number one, when you put that much weight on them, you have to build it like a parking garage, like Bush Stadium. So okay. a lot of steel, a lot of concrete. And then when you bury it under the ground and it rains like it does, and Wahila Tech sponsors this show, water gets in. And once you get it in, you can't dig it up and fix it e- economically. Right. Um, so it was the water cost the accelerated expense of burying a structure and then the real big one was every the fire code every room every bedroom has to have two ways out one is the door and the other and why we have egress windows so defined you've got to be able to jump out that window directly to the outside of the house and not just into the garage or somewhere else so it was really the uh, super cost of burying a home structurally and the fire code of everybody deserves to get out in a fire okay well thanks a lot scott and thanks for letting us pick your brain every week yeah well sometimes it gets slim pickings but every now and again you pull out a nugget you know that's right. Thanks again, Scott. All right, Joe. Take care. Bye. Bye. And I do like, uh, I mean, now you get all the um, uh, insulated concrete forms, ICF. I, you'll see that. That means insulated concrete forms. They're styrofoam or foam with uh, plastic uh, ins and outs, and you stack them up like Lego blocks, and you fill them up with concrete and steel. All of that, uh, why you haven't seen so much of the ICF is because termites and bugs love to burrow up inside that really effective insulated concrete concrete form. So, uh, again, another really good idea. Uh, There are byproducts. It's just like taking a medication. You take a prescription drug, you know, and you get the benefits of this one, two, or three thing. And then, oh, by the way, you got these other side effects over here. Well, anytime you powerize or make something more specifically goal-oriented and try and fool Mother Nature, you wind up with uh, side consequences, and that's one of those there. Um, Anyway, Anyway, um, I've got some great phone calls on here, but I promised I would tell you how I wound up on KMOX back, oh my gosh, now, uh, would have been in the early 90s, something like that. Um, uh, the, somebody from here, um, uh, actually, uh, Peggy Cohill, called the Home Builders Association of which I'd been very active in and uh, was part of the Remodelers Council for years. So we're looking for a builder to replace um, um, the uh, Mr. Fixit, who was the central hardware guy, Al, Al Schneider. 
and he'd been on forever, seven years, eight years, whatever, because Central Hardware uh, sponsored the show. They had their own guy on there, Al. Al was a sharp guy. He knew his stuff. Um, so anyway, Central Hardware had closed. Al had gone on to other careers, and he did this for a while, passed on, and they found they, – they, so anyway, they went to the home builders to say, let's find some builder guy that can answer this question. So I was one of uh, seven names. And uh, I don't know who else were on who else was on that list. Anyway, I got a phone call, um, and uh, you know it was just a phone call, and we talked through some things. And I was famous, really, or not famous, but I did some radio in college on in Mizzou, and uh, also on a um, oh, I guess a public radio station there. So my neighbor and I, friend and I, did a gospel blues show midnight to two a.m. So I knew how to press buttons and turn pots up and down and all of that. And I hadn't really messed anything up because, frankly, at midnight to 2 a.m., nobody's listening anyway. So we cut our teeth on the nobody, the three people that were listening. So I was familiar with the radio. Um, and, frankly, you know, I, I was second-generation builder. My dad, my sisters and I and my brother, we grew up with tools. We built two- and three-story hor forts and tree, tree houses, and, you know, I was 10 years old before I realized other families didn't have trucks, power saws, sawhorses, scaffolding, and lumber in their backyard. Anyway, so I came down here, and they said, well, okay, oh, we'll, we'll get back to you. So about a month, month and a half later, they called in September and said, you know, we've got a um, baseball game that has been decided in the playoffs in four games instead of seven, so would you come down and and interview. So I was on the show and, uh, you know, I answered, oh, I guess three or four questions. One was a water well question. And then the most notable one was somebody had a uh, washing machine. They built a house and they had a four foot black snake wrapped up around the impeller on the dishwasher, on the clothes washer. And they said, how do we get it out? And I said, well, unless you want to reach in there and grab it, I suggest you pull that dishwasher, that clothes washer back outside and, uh, you know, pretty much take it off there. So anyway, they thought I was pretty clever, and that's how I wound up on the Cam Watch show. <laughs>